for number 93 from a blustery and cold Oklahoma and a blustery and cold Ohio. What's going oh, yeah. on, Uncle Frank? We're, we're in the throes of what appears to be winter, although we're early. <laughs> Do you get the lake effect snow? Now oh. I hear I'm, I'm listening to, I was actually yeah. listening to the NHL channel on XM and they were talking about the Buffalo Sabres woeful team this year and they were saying well they're supposed to get like four feet of snow in Buffalo so I looked it up and then I realized you're right up there around do you get that whole thing where you're located yeah I'm right in the snow belt um yeah what happens because especially this time of year the lake temperature is warmer and so the clouds build over the lake then it comes over land and instead of dropping rain it's snow and it's like a snow making machine it's unbelievable, and it's this little, they call it the belt. It's just this little area that runs along Lake Erie, inland from Lake Erie. Like, if you're right on the lake, you don't barely get a, any snow. Oh, but if you're know. off of it, you know, 10 miles or so, 10, 10 to 20 miles, you get dumped on. Hmm. It's just this one, and it runs all the way parallel to the lake, all the way down the lake, called the snow belt. I-90 actually runs right along the beginnings of the snow belt. And so anybody going from Cleveland to Buffalo, like Todd, my prop guy from mm-hmm. Hydromotive Engineering, yeah. him and his buddies were going to the Browns-Buffalo game. Not and they, anymore. Not, not anymore. They canceled it because they're getting, they're supposed to get two to three feet of snow all along I-90 all the way to Buffalo. So my yeah. initial reaction would be, why the hell would anyone live in that section? But then it occurs to me, that that exact same thing exists down in Oklahoma, and we call it Tornado Alley. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, so exactly. That, so that exactly. reasoning is thrown out the window. Right, 100%. I mean, 100%. But, but, you're, but because that's a good section, it's a good area to live in because you're right by the lake. Yeah. You're not on the lake, but you're, you know, 10 minutes from the lake. Um, and it's a good section to live. Plus, there's multiple freeway access points there. Um, you're not landlocked. You know what I mean? Where I live, I'm landlocked. It takes me as long to get to the freeway from my house as it does to get on the freeway and go somewhere else. Um, so I'm kind of landlocked where I am. Even though I'm super close to the lake, I'm literally nine minutes away from a boat launch. I'm so like the Gary. the forecast of, of imminent weather up there got me thinking uh and i think this is very applicable across the country just to different degrees whether it's a Mm -hmm. 70 to 50 uh 50 to 30 or whatever but that first that first real not like the oh there's a chill in the air but like right right. not like oh we should get ready to go hunting (laughs) yeah so we've talked about we've talked a lot about you know transition periods we've talked about fall fishing we've talked about winter fishing but but uh, I think today, and I've talked with you, and you might have some maps and some some secrets to give out, like fishing during those small windows of actual season change. Yeah, and in actuality, um, what what really is happening? Um, what, what, should we just get into? into it or should we No, because i got some other stuff to cover i just wanted to for those that you know keep track of the day tours before we blow blow river beliverated bloviate bloviated (laughs) which before we bloviated for 20 minutes and got into it i wanted to just get that uh, right off the hopper of what we're diving 
yeah, into so today. Okay, so what we're going to dive into today basically is going to be, it's all about location. And, and then from there, you're going to understand, because if you saw some of my um, bait school videos on, on LureNet YouTube um, for, for transitioning into the fall to winter transition, all this is going to tie right in right now. And I got, I've got a really, a couple really cool um, things I could show you that are going to make that will make your winter fishing life way easier. Very nice. Um, all right. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> we are just so. All you over know it. that it's you know that it's the holiday season because I have a new flavor of Mountain Dew here. What is it? Pumpkin spice. Close. Keep guessing. Fruitcake. Oh, God almighty, dude. Seriously? I saw that today, and I thought, man, how do you not kick off day four over 93 with a nice swig of, of, of fruitcake-flavored Mountain Dew? I, oh, dude, that would put me under. <laughs> it's it's kind of spicy, and it's kind of fruity. That's kind of gross, if you ask me, but okay. I don't think all. it'll last past the holiday season, but they got me on the marketing. Second is, I had something interesting happen last Saturday, Uncle Frank, and it involved you. Uh-oh. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm very scared. So uh, we're s- s- kind of celebrating uh, one of my girlfriend's friend's uh, birthday. So we went out, out and about on the town in Tulsa. And I don't even know her. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, it had a couple of uh, had a couple of cold ones, but nothing. I mean, I was just had right. a good time, right? Right. So I get back. And uh, oh, we got back around midnight because we're we're getting up there now. There none none of this closing the bars down anymore. Yeah, but okay. I see how I, how I can best describe this. So I wake up the next morning, and I I'm like, "What the hell did I do last night?" And I vividly recall, and I know you. So we've t- I don't know how this happened. I vividly recall FaceTiming you at one in the morning. <laughs> And uh, you don't even have FaceTime. You're not even on the. You're not even an iPhone user, right? Like you I don't, am not an iPhone, right? Which is totally unrelated. But I woke up, like actually woke up in a panic, going, "Oh my god, I'm so unprofessional." I fit, and I remember FaceTiming you, and you answered, and I'm, you know, with the phone, with the FaceTime, <laughs> and I go, "Uncle Frank." I'm freaking having a great time tonight. And it, it surprised me because you answered. But in this deal that I remember, you yeah. answered and you were sitting there, but you were wide awake. And I remember when I FaceTimed you, I was shocked that you were awake, but relieved that I didn't wake you up. And you said, and this is how you said it and picture it in your voice. You said, dude, are you partying? <laughs> and I said, yeah, man, I'm freaking partying. And you said, so am I. And it was and it was freaking one in the morning, and I'm FaceTiming you, and I'm drunk, and you're drunk. We had this great FaceTime party deal on the show, so I wake up the next morning. And who did and you FaceTime? No one. I went through my I went through my phone calls and hadn't called you or anything. It was a freaking dream. Unbelievable. Maybe you're Is looking that- forward to the hundredth show when I come down there. <laughs> it was i don't know how that came about but six days later i still vividly remember and i just remember you going you partying dude so am i <laughs> dude you partying <laughs> yeah so am i, I was... 
don't, I don't even know where we're going from here, guys. But I was like, I was kind of debating: do I do I tell that story? Do I not? But then we also have something in common: we both have knees that are randomly giving out. Oh yeah, that's a pleasure. I is that a cold? So that happened has started this week. Like about every three days, I'll take a step and the knee will just buckle. Is that yeah, just oh, an yeah. age thing? Hell, I don't know, dude. It started happening to me about nine months ago. And I don't know what the, I don't know what I did. I'll just be walking. I'll do one thing and boom, it's I'm I'm down. <laughs> I think it, it's crazy. Yeah, so Josh is on, but didn't you take Josh out for like a party thing a couple months ago or something with all of his buddies? You told a story on the show that like someone was getting married or was that Frankie or something? But you were oh, their no, DD. My son, my son Noah. Oh, oh no, that was I, I, I wasn't a DD. Noah, you went yeah. out with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember, dude. There's so many. There's we. So, anyway, we, I think anyway. I just combined a bunch of stories from the past six months, and it all just ended up in a weird. Hey, that happens. Your subconscious works in mysterious ways. But anyway, you were partying even harder than I was in the dream. So because I am thing. a rock star, <laughs> you are. I'm uh, speaking of rock stars. I went. Um, I took my wife. My wife and I did a bunch of stuff for her birthday a couple of days ago. Oh, happy and we birthday! Went and, and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, so the la- the first time I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was when they first originally opened it. Literally, like the week they opened it, and. Um, we went there um, the other day, and it's changed a lot. But, dude, I, th- some of the memorabilia they have there is unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Like Elvis Presley's motorcycle, handwritten lyrics on napkins from hotels, um, just crazy stuff. That And it's, it's original stuff. Can you imagine the price of, of these things? That's insane. Yeah, I mean, stuff written on a napkin, you know, from some of the old Motown groups. Yeah. Like the bars they were in, the hotels they were in on hotel stationery, scribbled notes, you know. It was pretty wild, the stuff they got their hands on. If you ever come up here, you, it's a must. It's How a must long does it take see. to go through that? I've I've driven past it a number of times, but I've never stopped. Well, I, well to to my surprise, I said, eh, we'll walk in, we'll walk through, and we'll be out of there in an hour. But when you start reading everything and the history behind it and what you're looking at is, you could spend all day there. It just depends how involved you want to get in the, in the uh, information they have there. But it's really wild to see, um, like, all the, you know, like a lot of the, when I was younger, I listened to a lot of Motown mm-hmm. when I was younger and, um, to see how rock and roll originated. And then of course I had a buddy of mine that owned the, uh, Cleveland Agora and that's where, you know, Springsteen Cleveland Agora. It was a, it was a, a rock bar. And so like Springsteen, Southside Johnny, uh, Cougar Mellencamp. So you'd be like posted up in there with yeah, your... the, the raspberries and stuff like that. Um, Eric Harmon, Eric Harmon and I from the raspberries used to hang out together and stuff like that. And then, um, and so to see, to see the part of history and then you're like, well, oh, I was, I was there then. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, I was at that. 
or or I was with those guys then, um, was really wild, dude. I mean, it was crazy because back then I didn't think anything of it. You know, these were just dudes that I knew. And um, now you go, whoa, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was it was pretty cool. Clay says, I feel like Frank has some old water skiing injuries, maybe from jumping the shorts. <laughs> well, Clay, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I don't water ski, but I used to downhill ski. And I do have some I do have some injuries from mogul skiing. Yeah. Sean says old knee injuries from getting loaded to the cork. <laughs> no, that's, that's why I get to, loaded to the cork. <laughs> we're supposed to see uh we're supposed to see maybe some proofs from some of the loaded to the cork stuff uh that we're going to have on the site um in the next couple weeks yeah and then and then if i if i'm not thrilled with them i'm gonna tweak them out so we'll we'll go that yeah, route and maybe get a little bit of uh uncle uncle frank's artistic uh stylings in some of the possible some of the prints um all right is that time of the show where we go through what is new on lure net They've been doing a lot. I'm not going to lie. They've been doing a lot of like kind of chartreuse, shaddy topwaters lately out there. Yeah. There's another one, but it looks freaking fantastic now, Uncle Frank. Yeah, the head and chugging spook. Um, yeah. Shad virus, which is better than the flesh eating virus. The shad, it's a good color. It's kind of neat. Um, that, you know, I mean, anything you. It's got the dark back, the transparent sides, the chartreuse belly. So as mm-hmm. the bait pitches and rolls, you're going to get a mix of those two colors, um, you know, as the bait pitches and rolls. The cool thing about the chugging spook is it walks like it walks like a regular spook, but it spits. So it throws the water left and right when you're walking it. It's got a really different sound to it. It's a pretty sweet bait, actually. It's kind of it's less obtrusive than um the cotton cordell pencil popper the pencil popper's wild dude yeah that thing's huge i've caught a lot of bass on that thing lake murray one time i got on them good on that um but the spitting the spitting of the spook when it walks it almost looks like when you see a bass run to bait fish down and all the bait fish go you know how they that's kind of what it represents. It's Do you not think bait. that that's what a buzz bait is? Like everyone's like, oh, it makes it mad or anything. I always thought that a buzz bait, when that bass comes past them for a buzz bait and it's going, and it's doing, it's like when you see those shad just go on the surface like that. And it's that yeah. initial reaction. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they think of it as like a single entity up there. I think they think of it as the shad going on the surface and that's boom, they come up and eat it. They're like, oh my God, it's a baby bass. Is that a fair oh. assessment? Is that a fair, <laughs> yeah. a fair assessment though on the, on the, yeah, like yeah, a buzz I, bait people are like, what the hell does that look like? Nothing. It pisses them off. But it actually, if you've seen those shad freak out on the surface, like yeah. a group of eight to 10 of them and they go, it literally sounds and looks like a buzz bait. Right, I agree with that 100%. Ooh, look, the sun, we got sunlight coming in. Can you see the light? Hey, can we got all sorts of stuff going on, on the show. We got sunlight, we got dreams, we have our favorite spam, <laughs> spammers back in the instant feedback. We must have said a code word or something that brought them back into the live, so I'm furiously furiously blocking that. But uh, also another uh, bunch of uh, other good stuff, obviously, going on on uh, LureNet. You have some Black Friday deals. You can sign up to win a... Uh, is, that, is this called a corn... Is this called a cornucopia? A cornucopia. Gift baskets. Is that a cornucopia? Is that, that a, is cornucopia? a cornucopia? Dude, m- money. Money on the cornucopia, which is per- you know perfect for fall. Yeah. It's perfect so. for fall. Now, And don't forget, Norman Lures, buy two, get one free. 
uh, bulk bundles, 20% off still. Um, I think uh, Christy Critters, what are they, a buck ninety nine a bag now on yeah. there? Yeah. So there's a lot going on. You just got to get on, check it out. You know, whatever, whatever you throw, whatever you like, if, you know, if it's there, you're good. You know, get it. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much what's going on. I will say one thing to not to get off the subject, but I got this Powell sweatshirt and dude, it is the hottest sweatshirt I ever put on. I'm like bacon <laughs> and my, op- my office is freezing. I'm trying to figure out, do we go long sleeve for the day for merch with Frank or do we throw in a, a hoodie? If like a high quality it, hoodie. Like, do you think a hoodie or a long, like, which do you think would you, I mean, if I'm also asking the live the viewers, viewers too. live viewers, I, if we put a hoodie in, you got to do the three inch zip. The what? On it. The three inch zipper right under here. Well, can we not, can we not so do the hockey up. laces? Well, hockey have you, laces. Okay. Have you seen the hockey laces? But there's I one just, that zips. Yeah. I just like the little, the little zipper here to go down because it's it's tight they're tight around my throat okay but they make it with the hood and the zip so it's like the quarter zip with a hood put it out there guys respond you (laughs) just want to you just want a quarter zip do you want a hood or not frank i'm asking you i know i'm thinking dude you're you're, i'm thinking did i stare i stared off into space blank yeah i thought you were frozen for a second and i was like oh no here let the troubleshooting begin (laughs) No, I'm thinking. I don't know. Um, I li- I like the quarter zip with no hood because you can wear it around. Okay. Um, but okay. but but if you know guys want to fish in a hoodie, fish in a hoodie. And um, we might be able to do just a quarter zip with a classy day four logo, like a black or a heather gray quarter zip with just the day four logo on the chest, like on the like yeah. right or left chest Le- pocket logo. Yeah. Just, just day four. You don't even have to put my character in there if you don't want. Well, just, that's part of the logo. This is the here. I'll pull up the. Let me throw up the logo again. Throw it up there. There it is. Like that whole logo right there. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Jeffrey's des- designed that in the studio. It's a pretty good little logo design. I never realized how the four works right into the Y like that. Oh yeah. Which also then is like day four. Why four? day four yeah that's all it. right uh i'm getting back into the bass fishing thing and this is the time of the year so basically around here frank the fishing has sucked like it's been very it's it, there's like a time the doldrums time we've talked about that on the show yeah. we've talked about that transition in some parts of the country it's turnover in some parts of the country it's the fact that the bait is spread out and the fish are are, are roaming and chasing that bait but I feel like now, with what is happening across the majority of yeah. the country, those fish, if you can find them, you can have some of the best days of your life on the water before with, New Year's. Without a doubt. Some of, the best, some of the best fishing that I have in the entire year is in December, um, at, at right, after, right after Thanksgiving. The, the fish start to really pack in. They don't occupy all the water column anymore. In fact, they occupy so much less of the water column that it's not inconceivable to go out and not catch one. Um, but when you dial in on them and you find them, the reason you catch a lot is because there's so many in one area. 
their their metabolism slows down so they don't require the amount of food anymore but that doesn't mean they don't eat because they're opportunistic predators easier the meal they're going to eat it because then they don't have to eat for a while so you just catch a lot of fish now but mostly because you're around a lot of fish okay so the one thing i'm going to say that i learned from being from living up north um well, I even learned something two winters ago, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story. But the one thing that I learned is that when the lakes freeze up here, they're the most stable water conditions the bass are going to have. Almost nothing changes anymore. Okay, it's totally stable. So um, a bunch of years ago, I'm talking decade ago, um, I fished a local event here at ice out and I was catching fish skipping my jig underneath the ice that was on frozen on the willow trees. The water had come down and there was a six inch gap to eight inch gap under these huge ice chunks frozen in these flooded willow trees. And I was actually skipping the jig underneath these ice chunks, catching bass. Okay. So it got me thinking these fish wintered somewhere and now they're here and there's still ice on the lake in, in parts of the lake. So do they just automatically, as soon as the ice starts to melt, go where they got to go? Well, no, they don't. What I found out over the years was, because I do a lot of wintertime fishing, what I found out over the years is their winter holding areas are usually adjacent to or very close to where they're going to spawn so as the season progresses they go out in the summer they start to migrate back in in the fall and then they start to go out but they don't go out out you follow me they're mm -hmm. not going to traditional summertime areas that are unconnected <clears throat> to the mainland everything these fish are relating to now is connected to the mainland near some spawning area. And so that's how I started to take my wintertime fishing and start honing it way down. So now when I go to a lake, I can pick a handful of spots before I get to the lake. And one of them is going to be a winter holding area. And so, and so I have some maps. So, yeah, But it's weird to me. So you're going to find those winter holding areas, though, by starting and looking at where you think they're going to spawn. Correct. So you're looking at spawning areas and then in the wintertime to correct. find wintertime areas. Correct. That's which brilliant. You, which you think it would be backwards. Because here, look, everybody knows bass want a vertical break in the wintertime. They like verticality in the winter. Why? Because it's, it, they don't have to travel far for food. They suspend up, suspend down. They don't have to go, you know, a half a mile to a to a grass flat to get food. Okay. So they like verticality, but what I found out is it doesn't have to be a bluff. It could be a two foot dip in the contour line, as long as it's vertical and they'll suspend all over the place. So I learned, I learned stuff. The other thing I learned, I was fishing with Frankie last winter or the winter before, probably two winters ago. And, um, I broke one off on the flash mob. He took one of my wires. 
all right because we had been we had been racking them i mean like re, like racking them like relentless and broke the wire off two days later we were out there and i caught that fish on a jerk bait so far from where i caught them on the flash mob i didn't know they could tra they would travel that far this fish was literally i don't even know a, a half a mile from where i caught them and and um i i hooked them on the jerk bait and i'm reeling them in and i see a a, a flash coming with them i get them i scoop them up i put them in the boat it's my arm of my flash mob my jig head and my pulse minnow trailer so i took it out in fact i still have the arm i saved the arm but i i took it out and i i got my swim bait was perfect the hook was perfect because it was just two days earlier yeah. and so i got it but that that opened my eyes to something else in every show we talk about i always say hey fishing pressure changes everything and and uh, some people might go, yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. You're crazy. What have you? But here, I caught that fish so far. The, two days earlier, I caught that fish in a winter holding area where we literally plowed them. We probably caught 50, okay? Two days later, that fish was a half a mile from where I caught him. That's because we went in there and we caught all those fish. We're we're catching them from where their safe zone is. We're reeling them to the boat. We're letting them go. And they're doing different things now. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not behaving the same way. It's, it's almost like, you know, a lot of guys that deer hunt kill trophies. Most of the trophies come during bow season because the deer aren't molested. Their patterns and behavior are still very natural. So you can, you can pattern them out and you can set your cams up and you can see where they're going and you know, where the rubs and the scrapes and everything are. But as soon as opening day with the gun happens, those deer don't do anything the same. There's so much commotion, so many guys in the woods, the pressure changes everything. And so it's the same thing with bass fishing. So that's what I learned about wintertime fishing a couple of years ago. So I guess, I don't know. Let, let me go to let me go to a, a very traditional location, a main lake location. Now, I'm going to say main lake, but your larger creek arms will also act as a separate lake. So there's some lakes that the creek arms are so big in them, they behave as a separate lake mm -hmm. and those fish will winter in those creek arms. So you treat the creek arms the exact same way you would treat the main lake. So here's the first thing that I would look for. Okay, the first thing I'm going to look for, and if you saw my um, late fall, early uh, winter video, this is these are the illustrations I did for that. But it's it's relevant because it all relates all the way till ice out. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then at ice out, it relates until they start to spawn, till pre-spawn. So anyway, so I'm, I'm going to attack. This is a main river flat. We have steeper vertical areas on the main river flat. We have inside swings, okay, little inside turns. If there's grass on it, which this green stuff is grass. So if there's grass on it, all the better. Doesn't have to be, though. 
but it, but all the better. So you're just going to look at your high percentage areas, okay? Like a, a vertical grass line here where it's steep grass, you got a steep break, and the grass stops growing almost abruptly, mm -hmm. all right? This is approach where I'm going to want to parallel, try to parallel as much as I can. If the grass is on a gradual slope and starts breaking down and going all the way down, okay, then I'm going to cast up to the grass and work my way down. So if I'm jerkbait fishing, flash mob junior or whatever, that's going to determine my boat position to whatever technique I'm doing. If I'm jerking on my boat position, will be here. If I'm flash mobbing, my boat position will be out here more towards the main river channel because the bass are going to be in these zones over here. You follow me? So it's basically, it's a main river flat. None of them are straight. Okay. There's always going to be little inside turns and little stuff that you can look for. And so these are the high percentage areas, the inside turns, the steeper grass edges where it does something different. This is a very easy, easy structural element to find. Obviously main, the main lake is, you know, out here. That's where the main lake is. Mm -hmm. You could have your main river channel, a secondary river channel, or just deep water that touches up against the, the high spot. And that's that's this is like a very obvious, very, I mean, that's just, that's obvious. You'd fish that any time of the year. You roll up on it, basically. Okay. Um, a lot of my winter techniques are pretty simple. I throw a lot of jerk baits. I slow roll swim jigs. I fish the swim jig basically like the flash mob junior. Um, and then I obviously the flash mob junior. Um, and then I'll, I'll even have a jig on because sometimes they're, they're on the bottom. So I want to bounce the bottom with a jig or, I, or I'll use a sparky head with a soft plastic craw on it. Um, like a spine craw or, a, or, um, a woolly bug, uh, something to that effect where I can just drag it on the bottom uh, when they're on the bottom. But you'll know that because you'll see them. Now, if you're using 2D sonar and you sneak up on the stuff, if you see fish suspending, then you have to back your boat up because you have to catch them. If you're using forward facing, it's easy. You just scan it and you see where the fish are at. Um, so depending on what you have or what you don't have electronic wise, you may have to do things a little differently. Like with my 2D sonar, I'm constantly going up and down a brake line, constantly looking. If I see bait fish suspending at a certain depth, I know I need to be in that depth. If I see bass down there, forget it. It's over because I'll back the boat up and I'll fish those fish. Um, the next thing I like to look for is areas that I call neck downs. They're real simple. Um, a lot of your big creek arms have these where you have, you know, two structural elements. They pinch together. They form a funnel. Okay. So the bass, the bass will hold in, on either side of it, depending on wind direction or current direction. They'll hold on either side of it. It creates a funnel. It tightens everything up, and the bass are insanely comfortable in this area. They have everything they need to spend the winter in, okay? They may gravitate towards a high spot over here, but this is your money spot right here, okay? Very, very simple. Um, I'll, scan, I'll, I'll scan through the center of the channel, 
And if I see the fish suspending in here, my boat position's here or here, depending on wind or current, and I'm literally firing right down the center of the channel. Now, if there's grass on these elements, which will be indicated by the little green crap I drew over here, if there's <laughs> grass on the elements, you're going to have to check these grass edges. Because what I also found in natural lakes or grass lakes, um, be it reservoirs or natural, a lot of times the bass will, in the wintertime, will be as deep as the deepest green grass. This so if the, yeah, so if the grass only grows 10 feet, you're going to be fishing the 10 foot stuff. Um, if the grass grows 15, you'll be fishing the 15. If there's no grass, you look for those pinch points and the structural element, most of your shadow suspend out there and the bass will be right with them. Um, right. So, go ahead. What do you I, got? Okay. So I've been on, I pulled up Navionics. He started describing this and it started describing one of the places that I used to, it's one of my favorite places that I've ever found in the wintertime. I mean, it, it hasn't been that great for the, I haven't fished it for the last couple of years. So I hope I'm zoomed in enough. If you, it's not a secret anyway, this is what you just described. <laughs> All right, so this is a non-grass lake, right? Right. Okay, if I zoom out real quick, you'll see. It's the back of a major cut. Right. No grass. You have a gut here. You have a gut here. You have a gut here. This point right here has structural elements. It has uh, it has foundations and some stumps out here. It's about 25 feet in the back of this thing in the winter. The bait suspends exactly where you talked about on this print pinch point, but look what it's also adjacent to spawning flats and they oh, fish yeah, spawn back there all the time in the freaking winter time so what you just described this is a non-grass lake in oklahoma is literally exactly what you just described and based on describing it i was like that sounds exactly like this spot where i catch them in the winter time <laughs> now i completely understand why and right. it looks a little bit better depending on how you do it but you see what i mean it's like deep here deep gut here deep gut here pinch point right there structural elements spawning <laughs> areas adjacent to it baits usually gathered right in the middle here and you catch them on an a-rig and a suspending jerk bait right in here look dude off of the big the first big boathouse dock the third one in from that point the big one the really big one yeah go right off the end of it you have another pinch point right there yep where it so this whole bank right here killer a-rig and it's 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 the reason that i realized this is so on low water it goes like this. Yeah, you have a vertical shelf. And it's like eight eight to thirteen foot. It's like gravel, 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 and then it literally it literally does the vertical shelf. Every single element you talked about was right there, which explains why that spot holds a lot of fish. Right. And so but see, but but here's the thing, okay, like this was years of trying to figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. But once you know it, it becomes easy. It's not, it's, I, I say easy, it becomes easy to find locations that can possibly be good winter holding areas. And then you don't have to waste your time running all over the place. You can just run to those areas and then you're going to find one where is a winter holding area. And they usually go there every winter. Now, once you start pressuring it all the time, you're going to move those fish. Right, and those fish get moved because they get a lot of pressure. Right, so then it won't be the same, and you'll have to look for another one. Um, another thing I like is what I call dead-end guts, okay, where you have main lake, you have main lake areas, and, and you'll have, 
you'll have a, a dead end gut that runs into it. Okay. Like that. Now can picture this as like a big main lake place. So, so you'll have a big dead end gut in here. All right. Now here's the, here's the thing. They winter and they'll winter out here, but they use this shallow pocket as a like as a uh, herding area so they'll they'll run the shad up here and they'll feed on the shad up here where it gets shallower but for the most part they're going to be out here so i'll position my boat out here and i'll cast jerk baits and the flash mob juniors like this and then i gradually sneak in and do it until i come in contact with them most of the time i get them out here but there's times when i get them right up in here right in the shallow stuff so you'll have to, you'll figure that out. But here, this is a spot that you can easily find in the summertime, easily find in the summer, especially if it's a grass lake, because here's what happens when the grass is on it. Okay. <laughs> now, now you see how obvious it is, right? Because the yeah. grass, grass is here, grass is all here, and you got, you got your big, dead end got here you got a mini one over here i mean things start to stand out better so you could find a lot of your winter stuff in the summer mm -hmm. and so that's what i do so whenever whenever i'm out fishing no matter what time of year it is i'm always thinking about another season i'm always thinking about you know that sort of thing so keep in mind that when you're when you're hunting for these wintering holding areas, whether it's a grass lake, a natural lake, or a reservoir, keep in mind spawning areas and then look adjacent to the spawning areas for the most optimum winter holding stuff. So would that explain why I've made a note on this? So obviously in winter, channel swings are big. Huge. But there's also, if you look at it, there's a lot of channel swings that are out in just the middle of nowhere and i've never really had production in those no. channel swings that aren't related is it the reason that the channel swings are big is because it is the first vertical drop and oftentimes channel swings are adjacent to spawning areas and coves and big points so it's not the fact that it's you know, it, it it is the channel swing, but I'm just saying it is it has all of it's not just that they're looking for channel swings, they're right. looking for the first vertical drop adjacent to spawning areas and areas Correct. that they're gonna pull up to in the spring. Oftentimes when that channel makes a swing close to the bank, that's where it's going to be the closest spot, and that's why channel swings are often so productive during the colder months because it's the first vertical drop adjacent to spawning flats. Correct. So remember. That's easy. I mean, it, in right. theory, that's easy, Frank. Right, right. I'm going to make it even easier. Springtime, the bass are in the flats. They're spawning where their spawning locations are. As the spawn ends, the bass start to gravitate out. There's a section of that outward migration where the bass are still related to main, main lake. I mean, main shore structural elements that means stuff that's connected to the land okay once true summer gets a hold of them a lot of those bass will move to offshore stuff that's not connected to anything okay um except for main river channel ledges but if you look at real main river channel ledges, there's a lot of other stuff going on before you get to the main river ledge. So theoretically, that could be an unconnected piece of 
structure. Okay. okay. So now you know that summertime, that's where they are, right? Well, as summer progresses, late summer, all the shad start to ball up, all the bait fish, and they start to make their move back towards shore again. So the bass start to follow them again. Okay. This is the, the tricky part of the fall fishing where people can't seem to catch them consistently because the bait fish are moving, they're spread out, they're starting to ball up, the bass are following them, and there's things going on everywhere. Once that water temperature starts to drop, you have the, your first major, and I'll, I'll call them cold fronts, but really what you're having is the change of the season. The bait starts to get tighter, the bass start to get tighter, but here, now they're going back to structural elements that are main shore related and that's where they're going to spend the winter and if you notice anywhere you find wintering fish spawning areas are not far away they are absolutely not far away because the minute the minute that ice is off the lake i'm catching them on the spawning grounds already or right in front of them and those fish don't just move there like that they already go there in the winter. They're already right close to where they want to be. And that's, and, and that's, it's like one, two, three, four, you know, four steps and you're right in the ballpark of where you need to be looking. Um, makes it sound really easy, but it's not because you, you still have to cover the water to find them because they don't winter everywhere. Now, what I noticed too, some of the lakes around here, um, the fishing pressure is getting much greater now in the winter time. And so now I'm finding other areas that are not as, they're not quite as ripe for that winter bite. But now I'm finding smaller areas that are holding fish due to the fishing pressure. Cause look, don't forget our lakes here. They're small guys. We're talking like some of our big lakes here, are the size of a Creek arm on a lake you live in down South mm -hmm. or, or where you live. Um, <clears throat> So our lakes are tiny, um, and, and the fishing pressure wrecks them. It just wrecks them. So, you know. You so guys... then why are dams so effective in the wintertime? Is it that vertical yeah. drop? Like a lot of the smaller lakes around here, like in the wintertime, you want to catch fish. You First place you go to is you just put the boat on the water, you go down to the dam, and you start right. paralleling it. Because the, da the dam section of the lake is the most uh, consistent with water quality. And the, when you go up to, to the river ends of the lake or the beginning of the lake, um, it's the most volatile because any little rainfall sets everything askew up there. But by the time that by the time all that gets its way to the dam, it's already the dirty water. The sediments are filtering out. Um, the water's getting more stable. And then when it's to the by the time it's at the dam, that water barely did anything with all that rain you had and then if you notice too a lot of dams they're not just a straight wall there there's a there's a step coming up to them um you know what i mean so you have everything the fish want and then of course they can peel to the right or peel to the left go into the pockets off the dam and spawn up there too if they wanted to in the spring um so that, that's pretty much it i mean the dams are just good concentrated points concentrated areas and it's the most stable, which is the key. In All right. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I don't know if that's still politically correct to say that. but <laughs> let's... Well, it's dead, so it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't okay. feel anything. I want to make bullet points because we just covered a bunch of stuff, but I want to write down the five things that you just covered, like boom, 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 to where you could theoretically go to your lake regardless of what it is. And right now, you could go to a Navionics and pull it up on the home your home oh, lake yeah, right a, now a, and say, lake. okay, one, two, three, four, five, and where it all. So it sounds like the the beginning thing that you're you're looking for is it the spawning flats or are you looking you're looking at for your spawning flats on I'm the looking, lower end of the lake i'm looking for areas where they would spawn okay areas where they spawn that's number 1 right then from there i look my i i look at the map and i look my way out okay and that's where Okay, so first vertical, first vertical drop adjacent to the spawning flats. Correct. You're also looking for something that you just talked about. It needs to be connected in some way to to land. Land. Correct. So not in the abyss. Right. Right. And and then we look for pinch points. And dead end channel, dead end channels. And then we're looking for suspended bait. A hundred percent, always. And bass, you will suspended bait, bass, bass and 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 structure. Correct, hundred percent. No, no bait, no bass. Not that okay. time. Okay. So there's five things that you can take any lake at this time of the year where it's hard to find them because the fish are not spread out. They're starting to group up more. You can take those five bullet points and you know that you are around, you are in the, you're in the game. Yeah. You're in the game. You may have to hit 10 of them to find where they're at, but you're not wasting time because you are hitting the key elements. And believe me, when you find them, you know, you found them because you are not catching one. You are not going to catch just one. Can we play a game? Can we play a game? (laughs) Are you down with this? I I, I think I bet we could do this because we always say, oh, you could take any lake and do it. Let me let me get back to this. All right. This will work. If this doesn't work, then what are you doing? Like global thermal nuclear war? Why don't you play a game? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to I just dated myself. I don't even know what that is. All right. Here's the Navionics charter plot. Okay. Pick a state. Any state. Me? Yeah, just what's the first state that comes to your mind right now? Don't think. Just say a state. Please with lakes, not like Wyoming. <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> not Arizona. No, I know. In I'm... this whole Midwest thing. Let's All right, let... go to go to Kentucky. There's okay, a million. That's of a them. good one. All right. And and let's... and let's not go to well, we could go to a famous lake in Kentucky. Well, I'm want. just gonna zoom in and okay, here's a lake. I have no idea what this lake is. I don't either. Never even heard Cave Run Lake. You ever okay. heard of Cave Run Lake? I, I've heard of it. I've never been on it. Never heard of it. Okay. We literally just zoomed in. So we're gonna take your theory. We're gonna take these five principles. And if you're on Cave Run Lake right now, we're gonna try to see if we can if where Uncle Frank would, would start his search. So this time of year, are you typically going to go? You're going to. You just said there's more stability, more everything down by the right. dam. Or are you going to take okay. the lower section? So what I'll do is let's go to the the dog leg. Let's go. Keep going down right there. That dog leg right there. So we'll work from. We'll work from. I'm trying to read that. Hold on a second. Um, right. Let's work from th- that main point first. Right here. No, the other one. 
right, right here. There, right That's there. a big first giant main lake point on the right. lower end of the lake. Boy, right. there's a really good defined channel here. This is a good lake, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty sweet looking. <laughs> okay, so if you move, if you pull the map, so you're going towards the dam, just a smidge, so I can see. Oh, don't yeah, don't zoom out though, because I can't see it. Okay, so the first things first. All right, so that that to me right there that we're looking at right there is main money summertime. That's main money summertime. So we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna ignore that. We're gonna go up towards the dam a little bit more. Okay, I see a perfect place. I see two right now. Okay, so let's go uh, let's go north. The little pocket to the north right there okay so this pocket intrigues me and i'll tell you why there's going to be spawning activity in the back of the pocket all right you have a you have a beautiful pinch point right in the center of the pocket okay those that's a funnel that is an absolute 100 percent funnel and where you're circling right now okay is a very high percentage area now you can cast literally right up the gut of that where both split both arms split too this is a good this is a good first look spot you have the flat you have the point on the left and the right entrance way and that that one you're on now intrigues me more than the other one okay um because the current's going towards the dam all right so you're going to have a slack current on the inside of that point where it flattens out right in there so that's money. Now, that's just at first glance. There's probably better places on this lake. So if you go straight across from that one to the next bank. But you also, ironically, have, you have the, the channel that channel. swings right there. And it's, it's, yeah. Right. Okay. So go straight across the lake from there to that other pocket. Not that little one, the one above it. Right there. Okay. Look at what's going on on the inside of that Ooh. pocket by the old bridge embankment. That right Nope, inside, 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 right there. That's a that's a money wintering spot right there. You have a super steep edge. You're protected from any hard current if it should have hard current. If they're pulling, you're protected. Okay, you have all of that right adjacent to the main river channel. Um, that is a good area to look at. I wouldn't even hesitate to go out on the point beyond the bridge embankment. Yeah, right in there. Wouldn't hesitate. That spot wouldn't scare me in the in a bit. And then, of course, to the left of it, you got a tabletop flat that comes out right here, right there. See, that's and, weird because my I would in and this all makes sense, but I would start right here where it goes from sixty to twenty. Yeah, and you can, you absolutely can. But I'm thinking this stuff is so sneaky, so much sneakier, and makes oh, so much yeah. sense because it's still related to this obvious stuff well but has have, so much you, you more have hard. the you have the secondary channel split that comes off of it into deeper water and then you have that the hook in you have the hook in it and then you have the high spot right on top of that second bump off the point the saddle bump you have the high spot off the saddle bump it's a fishing or diving hot spot uncle frank oh man we are on it <laughs> i then, enjoy doing that I mean, we could keep going. So, so this yeah, is the stuff go. that gets me in the winter time. Then, I'm always real tempted to fish. I mean, that looks like good winter stuff. Yeah, it does. But if but, I was if I was going to fish that particular bluff there, I would concentrate on where it breaks off the point. 
the creek mouth entry. Yeah, right there. Yep. That's, that's what I, I would look at. That makes sense. So if you go to a creek, go to one of the big creek arms up there. Let's look in there. There you go. Right there. The, the two points that come out on the lower part past that pocket. No, not there. Go inside that creek. Those two, the two points that makes underwater. Right there. Where right it makes there. like a W. Right See, there and right yeah, there. That's yeah, the, that's the money spot right there. Wow. Yeah. Look at how high it gets up there. Yeah, Absolutely. You, but you the, but it, that creates uh, two fingers that hook around underwater, connected to the mainland, and they'll winter right inside that whole pocket area. They'll winter right in there. In fact, there's a spot at, uh, at home I fished that's almost exactly like that. And it's off the beaten path because a lot of guys don't think that's where you're going to fish in the wintertime. Okay. Um, well, we have breaking news. Todd says, uh, you guys are on a musky lake. Daryl also says that's a musky lake. Yeah, but it, Dean but also says that's a fantastic musky lake. Okay. Daryl says it sucks bass-wise. Uh, Todd says his club fish is there every year. But, but that, Hey, but, but the point of the matter is we're just randomly picking yep. lakes looking for winter holding areas. Um, we have no idea about these lakes. I've never been there in yeah, my life. That was be- that, I mean, but you just took a lake you'd never been to, and you have six spots in 15 minutes based right. on the five principles that I just threw on the floor that uh, you can start on and have confidence on instead of just going on a lake, picking up a jerkbait, an A-rig, or a plug, and going, well, hope they're here. Right. Now, here, here's the thing, okay? So we did that. We picked out five or six spots to yep. look at, right? So now we run them. If I catch fish on one certain area, now I'm going to look for that exact stuff in other places and then start running those. So you're narrowing, you know, you narrow down your search and that's the whole key. And here, look, here's a newsflash. You don't have a whole lot of daylight in the wintertime to be fishing. So you have to do things fast. I don't mean fish fast. I mean, find stuff fast. So you could do all this sitting in your, you know, on your computer. You got places to fish before. I do that in the opens all the time. So, okay, perfect example. You, uh, when I went to Norman this past year, Mm -hmm. you said, hey, look in X Creek. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what you gave me. You did not say you gave me zero waypoints. No, no. Mm -mm. So I pull it up. And I look at X Creek and I say, oh, good Lord, that is a giant creek. But then I start looking at that creek. This is honest to God what happened. And I start looking at that creek. So I had 30 or 40 waypoints from looking at the creek that you put me in, which is miles and miles long. Yeah, it's it's monstrous. And (laughs) so when I went to him, I started getting bit. So I made a note on every single waypoint of where I got bit. And then I started noticing... That I was getting bit. I don't know how far I want to go into this. Oh, I'll just go into it. Whatever. Just go into a depth range. Yeah. Well, no, I was getting bit in st- like adjacent to the dugout. Like that's a dugout. The dugout thing's there, but it was like channels, channel swings right. going into the little cuts that had dugouts. Well, I was like, well, those dugouts aren't on Navionics, but they are on Google Earth. So then I used my Navionics. Oh, yeah. I went into Google Earth. I went into historical d- data. Looked for the lowest lake level in the past 10 years and was able to use 
the info you said to go to this creek, the Navionics map work, the Google map work, and I literally had a hundred freaking spots that I could fish in that one creek. Yeah. I ran like 10 of them in the last day of practice, caught a freaking four pound spot and a couple of other good ones and said, well, I'm running all of this the entire tournament. Came in right. in a 200 boat field on a fishery I'd never been in with minimal help, got in the ballpark, used these principles that you just did. And I was in like third, eighth place after first day. Yeah, because because it's all about narrowing the water down and all about looking at the pattern. Um, I forget where I heard this before. I'm going to piss somebody off so bad. Oh, I know where I heard it from. Um, when Marty, when you had Marty on, mm-hmm. he, he said there are no patterns, only areas. I'm going to argue that to death. Some areas are better than other areas, but there's always a pattern. Um, I'll argue to him till I'm blue in the face. And I know Marty, and he's a great dude. That'd be a good argue. I think that would be a great fight because you guys could never pull each other's hair. It'd always be fair. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a chick fight, dude. <laughs> we could not pull either, hey, and there will be no hair pulling. Um, yeah, swear to God. Um, how do you break down a river that isn't on Navionics? Okay. Um, Scott, here's the deal. Is it a true river or is it like Kentucky Lake, a a flooded river dammed on both ends? You got to give me the, got to give me the flow here. Is this a flowing river? Like a real, like, like, um, the Hudson river, for example, Mm -hmm. where it's just flows because flowing rivers are easier. You can see a body of water on avionics, but no depth charts on it. It's oh, okay, okay, perfect. Shenandoah. Okay, so understand this. This is going to make your life way easy. In river systems, true, real rivers, where the water flows, like the Susquehanna, the Shenandoah, all those rivers, right? The the bass, especially the smallies too. Um, this is largemouth and smallmouth. The bass are not going to winter in the heaviest current. They're going to want a current break. So if you find creeks that feed into these rivers that have, you know, 9 to 20 feet of water in them, and I say that because every river is different. Some rivers won't have 20 feet of water in them. But where it makes a, a pocket inside a small feeder creek or a divot in the ground, those fish winter there. If you have a group of islands that are real close together, they winter behind those islands. Um, river fishing is much easier um, to, to find locations of fish because current tells you everything you need to know. You just need to know that in the middle of winter, they're not going to be wintering in the heaviest current flow because they'll, they'll, they're, they got to eat. Their metabolism slows down. It's just not conducive to survival. So they pick places with a lot less current flow. And that's how, and that's how you find them in the winter. Actually, there's places on the Hudson River that I would say bass from three miles in either direction pile in these creek miles to spend the winter. And you could literally fish in these creek miles and catch hundreds of bass and never go to the main river because they all pile in them. But now that's a little bit different because some of those areas have 20, 22 feet of water in them. But that's the same principle, whether it's 22 feet or nine feet deep. 
if that's the deepest water with the least amount of current, that's where they're going. As long as they have a structural element to break that current. Is Frank idling his stuff typically? So like what we just broke yeah. down on, on cave run lake you we went into that one you said these are perfect guts this is a great starting yeah. a great litmus test are you going to idle that before you start slinging or are you just going to get there and start slinging and then it dep- idle it? yeah so this this strictly depends on two things how easy and recognizable and accurate is the map okay so if i if i have if i think for sure there's fish there i'm not going to run all over it yet as long as I drop my trolling motor and things are fairly true, true to what they say it's, it is. Okay. Cause there's sometimes on a map, you're going to find that that's not really how it is. And so in those situations, I'm going to idle over it. Now, a lot of times I will idle over the stuff before I fish it. But for example, if I got three or four areas that are real close to each other, I'll idle through, see where the depth bait is, see if I could see bass suspending out there, see if there's grass present, see if it's all rock. Um, and then I'll idle over a few of them, and then I'll go back to the first one I idled over because I gave it time to relax. But I, I'm, not, I'm not pressing hard on my throttle when I'm doing this. I'm literally letting the boat do its thing. Um, I don't want to make a lot of commotion. Sometimes I drop my trolling motor and I troll a motor over it all. Um, and I look at my my front locator over the trolling motor. That's actually, on some of these smaller lakes, it's actually a better way to go. Um, because you see the same thing, but you're quiet, you're stealthy. And then if it, if it's right, you can always back off of it, pick up your stuff and start fishing it. Claire, I'd like to know how long are you spending on the spots? Let's say you do some homework, you get 40 waypoints. How long are you spending on each spot? Okay. So here's the, clay. This is very good because here's the thing I found in the winter time. They might change their location. So you have to, in other words, they're on that structural element somewhere, whether they're actually on it, suspending off of it. So you have to you have to figure that out. So you're going to have to make some casts. You're going to have to change your angle up, slide in, slide out, see where they're at. But the one thing I don't do in the winter is waste time because I cover water until I get bit. Once I get a bite, then I slow down. And then I start really picking things apart. The whole key is to get a bite. Once I get the first bite, then I slow way down. Now, I'm not fishing in the wintertime KVD speeds, okay? I'm, I'm not, but I'm continually moving the boat. I'm not sitting still. I'm not burning an hour, you know, in a 50-yard in a stretch. I start to burn the clock when I catch a few because that means there's way more around there. And that's, that's how I handle that. I'm trying to find a picture. Something that really helped me as far as figuring out like where the fish are positioned. Obviously, with forward-facing sonar, we're learning that there's a lot of fish. More fish than we realized are relating to the structure or cover, but not on it. And I think, right. my opinion, barometric pressure determines how close those fish are to it or not to it or whether they're sucked up against it or the bottom or drastic change, something. any. But I feel like... Uh, a good way to do this is going to Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, anywhere with those tanks. Yeah. It's very interesting. Those yeah. fish will be positioned next to the rock wall, the 
big logs in there, the bass, you'll see how those fish and you can those fish in those tanks will relate to barometric pressure and weather changes as far as yeah. where they are in the tanks. This is no joke. It's no joke. I just like yeah. out, like like outside. So like if it's if it's like stable, the you know you've got uh, the dropping barometric pressure. It's a feeding deal. Those fish in the tanks will be swimming around and moving a lot more. When it's like high pressure and things like that, those fish will be sucked up against the wall. They'll be up against. They'll be in. The nose Underneath will be touching. The They'll, it's unbelievable. Like I've done that before. Do that. Like if you're, if you've got weather changes, you've got a Bass Pro or something with that. Just go in and watch it at different times. It's crazy oh, yeah, how it's crazy. different. So I, so I had, I have a 125 gallon tank, and I had um, a, a few largemouth in there, and a few smallmouth in there, and some crappies and bluegill and stuff in there. And they would do the same thing in my fish. Really, tank. in that small too, in that yeah. micro too. Yeah they would do the same thing because what I didn't do was I didn't put a heater in it or anything. Mm -hmm. I left the tank alone. I didn't put, you know, I didn't control the water temperature at all. Um, and it, and, and it's in a room in my house that's all windows. So in, in the winter time, that room is cold. All right. And, and then, and then if you've got, because of all the windows I had, the cloud cover would roll in the cloud, you know, cloud cover would leave the, the tank got, you know, assimilation of weather obviously it's much more stable in my house but they did the same thing i would see when they'd get all goofy and start roaming around when they'd suck up to the cover and sometimes they would bury up in it and hide mm -hmm. so you know so you just gotta it's kind of cool actually i think i disagree he says nothing natural about the tank behavior i think there is some natural stuff about the tank yeah behavior. no i'm gonna disagree with you because i had i have the tank and i've seen it and disagreeing it. with clay no way <laughs> so hey sometimes you gotta poke the bear sometimes you gotta poke the bear man i can't help it uh, what else we got here this has been we got we, this has been a good show i've enjoyed the breakdown it went it went good it went well not good. It went, it well. went well. But it yeah, I mean, well. you know, we make things harder than it has to be. Um, a lot of times we really do. Um, it's I, not a I, magic bullet, but it gives you somewhere to start. That's the hardest thing. Like when I started right. fishing outside of my comfort zone, or even when you go from a non-boater to a boater, or you just want to go explore a new lake, even if it's 2,500 acres or something, this gives you a tangible starting point. Correct. 100%. We didn't even get into baits. We're an hour and seven minutes in. You've got baits there and anything. Do you want to save that? Do you want to just yeah, rush we'll, over we'll, it? We'll save it because okay. I have. You had one that you said you were going to tease and you didn't want to show in the preview. Just flash it up there and we'll save it for another show. But I wanted to see what it was. No, we're going to no? save it. No, oh, that's cold-hearted. Yeah, that's cold-blooded, man. Hey, you got, sometimes you just got to hold back, man. You just got to hold back. <laughs> Nate said this has been a, definitely going to rewatch. Went on a mission fishing. There you go, man. Yeah, I mean it's you know, okay. So before we end this show, I got I have to say one thing. Um, I'm trying to read those as you're putting. Oh, them I'm up. just throwing. I've been trying to put more of the comments up. I think it's okay. Good so. We're talking about winter fishing. We're talking about being out in the very cold. Um, I, I, I literally break ice to get out 
two things. Dress right. Okay, I use a float suit in the winter, like an ice fishing suit that floats. And I never, well, I can't say never because that'd be a lie, but I almost never fish by myself in the wintertime. Um, if you fall overboard, there's too many bad things that could happen when the water temperature's in the you know high 30s, low 40s. You don't have a whole lot of time. So be careful. Bring a towel and a change of clothes. Because if you do go overboard, you need to get dry. And just keep some safety tips in mind. Um, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, you fish whenever you can fish if you're a fisherman. But you have to be smart about wintertime fishing. Because it's no joke if you go in. Um, I fell in the boat. I fell out of the boat in January one time. And it is no joke. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. Okay, that was the disclaimer for the. No, day. it's good. I've done the same thing. So I've I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So uh, obviously, Afco, big supporter of the show, big supporter mm -hmm. of of me as well. Uh, done a lot, a lot for my fishing career with the Afco Bass Bootcamp and stuff. But they legit make badass clothing for cold weather. Uh, yeah, and listen to the anglers. So so I got a lot of. I wouldn't say hate, but a lot of people up north went, how the heck have you never done this before? But quality pair of fleece line sweatpants, if you know you're going to be out in the cold and you're not taking them off. But if you go like boxers, thermal, jeans, coveralls, that's a lot of stuff if you happen to go yeah. in the water that can weigh you down. If yeah. you go fleece line sweatpants, quality coveralls. Yeah, you're good. You can you can move because those things will weigh you down immediately. And especially yeah. if you have boots on or something, you can get those boots off and the coveralls off and you can actually move for a minute or two. Right. So here, and I'm going to tell you the truth. When I fell in, I was wearing one of my deer hunting jumpsuits. Not good. When I tell you, you sink like a rock, you sink like a rock. Um, I grabbed onto the side of my boat and my buddy grabbed the back of my collar and it was all we could do to keep me above the water. Okay. Um, that's why whenever I'm in the boat in the winter or when the water temperatures are not above 50 degrees, I'm wearing my float suit mm -hmm. because if I go in, I don't want to go down. I want to stay on top so I can get in back into the boat. No one else has float suits. Uncle Frank just up north. <laughs> Well, but, but here, but done here. Well, but here, but you can. They're they're readily available yeah. and they're not that expensive. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've had I've had a float suit my entire life. In the beginning, they weren't as good as they are today. Today, they're astronomical because they're made for ice fishing, and they're light and they're warm. Like in my float suit, um, I don't want to. I don't want to step on toes. Um, no, no, no. Say what it is. Say what brand it is. Say whatever whatever you think is the best, dude. But it's a striker. Yeah, they make um, amazing ice stuff. Yeah, it's a striker. And, and so does Frable. Okay? They're light. Um, they do the job. And in here, in, in, in the striker suit, I literally can wear a pair of jeans under it. And it'll and keep you up. Because here, look, I, I've layered up before with, um, you know, long johns, fleece pants, um, and, and then whatever I put on top of it and, and you, and you can't hardly move in the boat. You're so, you're so bundled up. You can't hardly move in the boat. 
Yeah, for four or five hundred bucks is worth the falling in and being able to float. Dude, it's a cheap. And here, it's it's if it rains, it's waterproof. You're not getting wet. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not here to promote clothing because I, you know, I I'm just not. But the proper gear in the winter time mm-hmm. makes everything enjoyable. Because why not... that hasn't caught on down south? Why have the floating v- jackets and stuff have not caught on in in the southern where you fish where it's twenty thirty degrees out all the time, but there's no hard water? Because be, well, because that's the reason. There's no hard water. I know, but it's still the same principle. It's 100%. the same water temp if you fall through the ice or if you fall in in thirty eight to forty two degree water. Yeah, if you fa- if you fall in in thirty eight degree water temperature, you literally have four minutes before hypothermia starts to affect your judgment. If you do fish by yourself, and I've said this before, just like you do with a drift sock where you tie it off on the cleat on the side, get you about an eight-foot section of rope, quality rope, tie it off to that cleat at the beginning of the the freaking day, tie tie about a a, a two-and-a-half, three-foot loop in the bottom of it. Yep. That way, if you do go in, you can hold on to the rope, you can use the loop to put your foot in to get some some leverage. And if you are in something that's heavy to where you can't get up, you can put your foot on that, you can rest, and you can hang on to the side of that boat. The other thing to do is get to your outboard motor, straddle it, and hit the trim switch. And let the motor trim you up Mm -hmm. out of the water. You can get out that way. It's good stuff. Wow. We had to do the safety disclaimer. If we're going to promote the winter sport, <laughs> we need that. No, safety. I 100% agree. Uh, I'm guilty. I fish a little bit sometimes alone in the wintertime. I do Especially too. crappie That's... fish and stuff. And you're like right on the front. And you're looking at mm-hmm. your graphs and you're clumsy. Oh, because you're, you're bulked up. You got boot boots on. I mean, it's, yeah. you're more likely to go in. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. That's why I said, well, you know, in the beginning, I'm guilty of it too. I can't end it on a comment from Peter that says wearing pantyhose keep you warm. (laughs) And yet we have stooped to another level. (laughs) Very, very informative today. Uh, I learned a lot. Thanks for kind of going on the fly, Frank, and breaking down some, uh, some of the other fisheries. But like I said, when you started going through it, I was like, dude, there's a system here. There's a five step system here that works across the country. Outstanding. Are we going to hey, be back you? next week? Or? No, we won't be back. Next week is Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to the whole world out there. That's right. We will be back December 1st with day four, number 94. Oh, we're getting close, guys. And on that show, we will have an announcement as to when you will be in studio, potentially, for the 100th up. show. And we will have things going on yes stay tuned to social medias frank social media uh the website uh yes scalish underscore fishing and keep keep your eye on lure net yeah and hopefully clothing stuff on on that stuff too before then if not definitely by the december 1st oh yeah and uh all capital all one word uncle frank paul rods get them get your discount This has been another edition of Day 4 with Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys in two weeks.